Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Lavender Woman's Podcast. I'm your host. Let's get started. Happy New Year, everyone. This is the first episode of 2020, and it was supposed to happen last week, but y'all, I've been sick. Like, literally battling the flu that is just trying to spread through my entire house. So I couldn't deliver an episode last week, and I'm hoping that I can get through this episode without too much coughing. So if I start coughing, y'all forgive me. Okay, I'm doing the best I can. But um, happy new year. Happy new decade. I'm so glad you're here. This is season four. And what better way to start season four than with your favorite guest host. Oh my goodness. I was going to just rename the podcast after him because I felt like y'all just tossed me out with the trash and just (laughs) said, you know, we don't want to hear from you. We want to hear from the pastor. So... We have your favorite co-host back, your favorite guest host for part two of the Martin Church. Um, I gave you a rundown of his bio in the last episode. Go back there to hear everything about this awesome man of God. We're not going to give it to you here because you should have listened to the last episode already. But we're going to welcome back Pastor Alvin Georges to the Lavender Woman's podcast. Hey, everybody. I listen, I'm I'm overwhelmed. I don't know, you know, I don't know if she is playing with me or not. I'm not. I but promise. um I, I receive it, lie to me, and <laughs> I feel I'll take all the compliments I can. It boosts my self esteem. So it's the truth. Your it. episode has been the most downloaded episode ever. Okay. Okay. So that's well, just fact. I can it, show y'all. you the stats on it. Is that right? It. Yes. Well, I, I appreciate you it, stats. y'all. I, I really, really, really do. That really humbles me. I'm encouraged by it. So I like the podcast. I think it's it's fun. And you're the first person. This is my first. Well, this is my second one now. This is the second. But um, you're the first person that has asked me. So I'm excited. Thank you you're for welcome. having me back. You're welcome. So if you tuned into our part one episode, then you know we talked about some stuff, y'all. So we're just going to do a quick overview. We talked about millennials and the church. And Pastor pretty much just told us that we came up in here and we're shaking things up. Mm-hmm. Okay, us millennials, we're not just letting anything go, anything slide. We talked about why going to church is important. We talked about the Bible. We talked about where God was during slavery. We talked about Christmas, church hurt. And we talked about tattoos because for some reason that came up <laughs> and you know your host is tatted up. So we had to talk about that as well. But this week, we really want to get into some deeper topics. And I don't want to start the podcast off with anything too heavy, but I think it would be remiss of me not to mention this at the top of the episode. Um, Recently, the world has mourned the death of NBA superstar Kobe Bryant and his beautiful 13-year-old daughter Gianna Gigi Bryant and seven other victims who lost their lives in a horrific helicopter accident. And I know people all throughout are just mourning and they're not understanding why, because for many of us, we don't know Kobe personally, but we kind of felt it hit home for us. How can you explain such a horrific event? Oh, my goodness. Um, First, I got to start with um, saying we send our condolences and our prayers and thoughts. And, you know, I wish there was more you could say, more we could do, you know, losing people that's significant like that and loved ones in our lives and you know you want to say more and hopefully that really communicates the sincerity of our hearts going out to their families and can't imagine getting, getting that news um Mm-mm. 
with, 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 with what happened on Sunday. And I remember just sitting there, and my brother, he is a huge Lakers fan. Okay. So when he got the, I guess, notification on his phone, he, he we were all just kind of around the table because that's what we do on Sunday. He just... We're laughing, and then he got the. And of course, you think it's a hoax. You think you know, I literally say these people need to stop playing like right. this. This is not funny. It's not funny. It's like, not funny. You don't joke like right, that, right. you know. And you wouldn't think someone like um, Kobe, Kobe Bryant, and then more notifications came in, and that's when it hit. And um, we just, it just put a heaviness on that. Of course, it would, because you know he's beloved by so many, right. and, and to hear after that his daughter, and then the other families that were on the helicopter. Um, just I don't know how to explain it. You really, you really can't explain something like that. It hits you in a way where it just literally arrests you, and yeah. you pause, and you're just like in shock. Yeah. Um, and so we're just praying for the family, but <clears throat> I don't know how to, how to explain. I mean, we know what they're investigating. We know mm -hmm. um, what has happened, but the question is why exactly. You know? When I got the news of his daughter, it broke me down. Mm -hmm. Like, when I tell you I was broke down, mm -hmm. I was broken down. And with my baby girl being, well, she just turned 12, like, two Sundays ago. Yeah. Um, she doesn't quite understand death yet, even still. Okay. We've lost, you know, several family members, but she still doesn't quite understand mm -hmm understands death so when i was explaining to her what happened because of course it was all over the news it was right. all over our timelines and in her mind even me as her parent because i'm older in her mind i'm old okay. so she gets right. that like old people right. die right. and even kobe was far from old 41 is still young That's if right. you ask me but um in her mind we're old people mm -hmm. but she said did jesus make a mistake why did Gigi die mm -hmm. So in her mind, she doesn't understand how a child could die in such right. a way. And I know that we discussed in the last episode about, you know, how I was angry with God about in the right. manner in which my grandmother passed away and how right. I felt like she didn't deserve it. And right. many people are feeling like Kobe didn't or Gianna or the seven other victims didn't deserve right. the horrific um, way in which they passed away. I, I don't really know what to say about it. I saw a Stephen yeah. Furtick um, quote, and it said, in the absence of answers, faith is born. And I know you talked about faith the last time. Yeah. Can you want to expound on that just well, a little bit more? It, it It's hard for us to explain yeah. because, you know, we're human beings and our, I don't care how smart you are. Right. It's just some things you just won't be able to know. And uh, our finite minds can't comprehend a, a divine act and I'll go that far, far to say so in order to comprehend what's beyond our scope of reasoning and understanding we have to draw from our faith mm. which is which is why we have um, a connection with God that's why we believe in God because we live in a world where there's so many unanswered events so right. many events that you would lose your mind wondering why did this happen i right. i thought i did a b and i was going to get c mm -hmm. so why did i get d and f and why did it happen to those people and of course the question why does good things happen to bad, oh, bad, bad things, things happen, happen to, to good, good people right good right. people and right. so you know you'll rack yourself up there's no formula for it mm. there's no class that can explain it. it that's where your faith has to kick in and just trust that when I don't know what's going on, God has a perfect plan. Right. Um, and I know that's hard to even say when you're, how can anything be perfect out of something like this? This is tragic. This is horrific. Um, and, and that's where faith, you have to believe that even beyond my feelings, mm -hmm. um, 
God had a a plan and he does all things well. Now, mm. if you don't believe that, then you definitely will go crazy. But right. we have to encourage people. You know, there I believed and I, I saw Bishop Pearson, he had a podcast and he was just encouraging um us and reminding us there is a life after this life. There and, is. And, you know, although we mourn on this side, you know, we talked about it last time. People who cross over will look back, you know, and be like, let me, you let know, me go. <laughs> I'm here. You Do know? y'all think I want to come back right, here? Yeah. Right. I'm here. So and so we have to just trust that what we can't see and what we can't explain, God's got it all under control and um, he's working out our unknowns. And like the old saints say, we'll understand. I know that sounds like a cliche, but we'll better, understand it better. By and by. By and by. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I hope that... Um, gives us a little peace concerning right. this situation because it's been it's been difficult i it's can't hard. even watch like anything yeah. else about it because it's right. just it's too sad yeah um but i wanted us to discuss it because so many people are struggling with this right. um with this event mm-hmm. let's see taboo topics and the church mm-hmm. we're going to talk about some mental health okay because i know the church has how they feel about mental health and therapy in particular so I wanted to get your take on it with suicide and um, depression and yeah. also therapy. What is the church's response to those who may be going through a mental health crisis and find themselves needing help outside of the church? Right. Well, I first, I think we need to take that negative stigma off of mental health mm-hmm. um, to make people feel bad that, you know, if you go to, you know, get mental health services or help. Um, in that way, that is something bought ra- bad about that. Right. I heard Jake say, "We all crazy. All of us. <laughs> everybody. Okay. Is, everybody wrestles with a level of crazy. We just have to learn how to handle each other's crazy. Exactly. And so, if you think you're not crazy, you probably the craziest one out of the. I was going right? to say you probably the craziest <laughs> one in the group. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has a version and expression of, and I use crazy facetiously, but what I mean is just you know just different ways of thinking through life and then the way life throws different events at you it's hard for everybody to process it the same everybody's not going to you know process events where they can just kind of move on it hits them hard and it deals with their emotions and it triggers uh, thoughts and makes them feel down and so that is just like we get physically bruised and physically hurt you know your your mental uh state Mm -hmm gets bruised gets Absolutely. gets hurt gets scarred yeah. you know um rejection and and um 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 you know my daughter she comes home she talks about you know the pressure she gets at school you know that stuff weighs on, on you you know peer pressure and things right. of that nature so so when, just like your your spirit your men- mental state gets bruised that needs a place of therapy as well so um that's what mental health is it's just getting therapy getting care Mm-hmm. For those bruises and hurts. So you want people to know that you can have Jesus and a therapist. Of course. Okay, they go. They can go hand in hand. Of course. Um, you don't have to have one or the other. It's not, you know, I can only pick one. Right. No, you can literally pick both. You can. And you know what's crazy? Mm-hmm. We will go to our friends and mm. tell them about our problems. 
And that right there is therapy. It that, really that, is. That's, count, that's a counseling it session. Is. The problem is your friend may not be not, wise counsel. Yeah. Exactly. They may they, not be wise right. counsel. Right. So, so if I'm going to talk to my friend about something that they don't have any expertise in how to help me with it, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm really sharing something that's mentally that I'm dealing with. Right. That's a mental issue. Um, and I'm not, you know, why not go to somebody who is a professional in that mm-hmm. area to talk about those things? Absolutely. You know, and so we just got, I feel like we got to normalize it a little bit more. You know, it's not something that makes you crazy or unusual. In fact, more people need to go. You know, your, your life will get to a better level of quality if you can get that mental health. The Bible says, yeah. as a man thinketh, so mm. so is he. And so it starts with your mind. There you it know? is. That's the scripture, y'all, to back it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it starts with your mind. If you don't have, and then it says, um, be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind. Yes. So, you know, your, your mind becomes that core, that hub that really governs every part of you. And if you can get that mind healthy, then you'll 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 improve your quality of life. Absolutely. One of my favorites, Dr. Anita Phillips, mm-hmm. states that prayer is a weapon. Therapy is a strategy. That's good. That's, good. that's so good. That is good. Because we're going to pray. Right. I mean, that's right. that's going to be my automatic right. response is to pray. Right. But there's something wrong with speaking with someone to get strategies to help you right. cope or to help you manage what you're going through. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. I, I think it goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's a coordination. It's just like, you know. You, you ask God for the help, and then he gives you somebody mm-hmm. that gives you the steps to the help mm-hmm. that, that he has for you. And, and there's Christian counselors. Right. You know, so if you if it's a thing of where I want to, you know, I want it to be Christian-based, mm-hmm. there's Christian counselors out here. Exactly. So you can still have both. You can have your counselor, and you can have Jesus right. simultaneously. Course. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So y'all stop thinking that you have to have one or the other. No. We just had a pastor verify that you I've can had, have both. I've had counsel. I go through counseling and I, I make it my business to mm-hmm. go at least once a year. Oh, even yeah. If something I'm an advocate for counseling. Yeah. yeah. And um, we, we, I try to encourage people. God heals through different mediums. So, yeah, he can heal to just prayer alone. Mm-hmm. But sometimes he'll hear he'll heal. Through prayer and, like you said, strategy. Absolutely. You know, so he tells the the guy with the leper, "Okay, we're gonna heal you, but you gotta go down to the to the pool mm-hmm. and and dip yourself in the pool." Mm-hmm. Well, that is a strategy. A strategy. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's, God ultimately healed him, but it was through that strategy, and so through therapy, God mm-hmm. heals you. You know. That's good stuff, y'all. Yeah. Did y'all catch that? Really that good. was good. All right, more taboo topics. All right. Divorce. Mm-hmm. What does the Bible say about divorce now you're asking what the bible says yes what does the bible says and then we'll talk about how the church views divorce but let's just talk about what the bible says first let's get that out the way first well paul made it clear that god hates divorce and that's very explicitly stated in the scripture okay and there's also supporting um scripture god god and this is what confuses me sometimes but uh god it's a scripture that says that you know it wasn't God's original plan for divorce to be implemented. Okay. <coughs> he said he allowed that because of the sins of man. Okay. So there was an allowance for divorce, um, but even in that um, the the that way, the way to divorce, you had to. I think there was adultery. There was just uh, stipulations that divorce was allowed. Okay. But there was a caveat to that. Even though it was allowed, it mm-hmm. wasn't God's. Uh, intent okay. it wasn't what he really wanted mm-hmm. is what he allowed because of our you know what we wanted to do okay you know so 
I would say, you know, the bi- the <clears throat> divorce is definitely um you got to make it work, you know, and and it's not something that God really wants, but if there are stipulations uh according to the Bible that have been met, then it is allowed. Um I go through the four, I think it's four A's, adultery, abuse, addiction, and abandonment. Mm. If, if ever those are, are those are the stipulations, then divorce is, is allowed. Okay. Excuse me. I just want y'all to know, that's not me coughing, okay? I know, right? I know, I, I put know, the disclaimer me. out there. That's me. But it's not me. Mm-mm. I'm doing, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm praying. I'm over here. Y'all <laughs> pray for me. I'll get covered with the blood because she just got over the flu. I'm um, not sure she's completely over it. Not but. contagious, I mm-hmm. promise. Okay. But okay, so getting back to it. So right. that's how the Bible views Yeah, divorce. that's how the Bible views divorce. And so, um... I, I, so, yeah. I mean, I to me, there's a there's a... A, a bold line mm-hmm. when it comes to divorce but I, like I said those four things right there are you know can justify the allowance of divorce so what is the the church's views on divorce you kind of quiet though you ain't saying nothing <laughs> You were going to let me talk on it. I was okay. going to let you talk. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any context for you oh, on that. Geez. But okay. the church's view, because I come from a Southern Baptist church where yeah. the rules were, were the rules. Right. There wasn't any bending of the rules. There wasn't any manipulation of the rules. Right. They were the rules. And I just remember that, you know, my cousin was going through a divorce and she kind of held a, a high title in the church. And they was just like, no, you can't occupy. You can't have your role, your title. Mm. Because you're going through a divorce. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, that's some foolishness. Like, what right. does that have to do with her role in the church? Right. So does it matter? Like, can can we not have roles in the church? Can we not have um, positions in the can. church and yeah. possibly be a divorcee or going through a divorce? Yeah, sure, yeah. sure you can. I think, you know, I think this is where the lines get skewed. Because, mm-hmm. you know, God gave the church you know the church is the institution that we worship through that's right. that's the platform god gave us to worship to carry out our spiritual disciplines to learn and develop spiritually and but it's ran by people right so mm-hmm. it's always going to be governed through the filter of people who are carnal who right. have you know mm-hmm. um who are who are who have imperfections and so as we govern the church and we create these standards it's also subject to our interpretation of the word and so sometimes we project mm. a misrepresentation or bad interpretation of what we um see in the word of god and so given your friend right here who the church said no you cannot operate in any roles that was their interpretation from how to reconcile what they read in scripture and mm. what she went through in reality. And, 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 you know, so you're subject to that mm-hmm. given any church. Now I've heard of some churches where you get a divorce and they, they restore you, you know, they, well, they give you a time of taking a sabbatical, mm. you know, where you have to heal. Now I'm a firm believer in that. Like if you go through anything like a divorce, yeah. you know, anything traumatic, life changing, life changing yeah. Yeah. you know, you have to heal from that before you can serve in church. Absolutely. Or, you know, you are liable to, you know, cause something more detrimental to, to the people, mm-hmm. you know, that you're serving because you're not healed yet. They call it bleeding on the people. Mm. You know, you end up doing that. So I feel like there is a process to heal, mm-hmm. to recover, you know, um, but then after that, it's like, you know. You have surgery. You just don't get back up and start working. That's you you right. you got to heal. You got to go through therapy. therapy. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know you got to recover. Yeah. 
So maybe they should have communicated it that way. I don't think there should be an indefinite, no, you can't work in the church. Right. Because events happen to all of us, man. Absolutely. Traumatic stuff that we didn't have any control over. And Mm. I think that's what people have to understand Mm -hmm. that I'm learning. Like, it's not like I sought. There's some things people judge you by that they... You got to tell them, like, I did not plan for this. You know what I mean? (laughs) To happen. I didn't seek to get married and have a divorce. That wasn't a part of my plan. I'm just going to move on. So I think there needs to be a level of sensitivity to that, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know you talked about the four A's. And my next question was going to be, as Christians, do we really have an option for divorce? Like, is that that really an option for us? And you talked about the four A's. You said abandonment. Right. Adultery. um, Adultery. Addiction. Addiction. And and abuse. Right. So, right. as Christians, right. if you're in a marriage and one of those four A's are happening, yeah. is remarriage frowned upon in the church? Say, for instance, yeah. you divorce because right. of one of those things that are happening, right. and then you decide to get remarried. What does the Bible say about remarriage, if anything? I'm okay. not sure if I've ever heard anything. All right. Well, let me, let me go back to the four A's. Like, okay. Those are allowed, um, but I advocate for being able to work through because... Back the in its pure sense, marriage is a covenant. You it know is. what I mean? It's a covenant, mm-hmm. and it's a covenant that really mirrors God's relationship to His people. You know, He calls us His bride. You mm-hmm. know, so there is a marriage that He has, and as as our Father, and I'm just showing you the model. As our Father, we have to, you know, emulate that model, and marriage becomes an example of Christ. And his relationship with us. Okay. Now, here's the question you ask. Mm-hmm. Can, does he divorce us? Mm. No. No. So I'm so thankful for that. Of course. <laughs> and, and so what so A's mm-hmm. is he allowed to divorce us from? Mm. And we do more than what those A's are, right? A through Z. A through Z. And some some people say, well, that's God. That's God. Well, Mm -hmm. here's the thing where I say to people like that. That's the same God who says, I will give you the ability because I'm God. So so if I'm able to do that with you and you have taken me on as your Lord and Savior... Mm -hmm and my spirit dwells in you, Mm -hmm. then you ought to be able to do what I do. Mm. (laughs) Right? I hear you. So it's not your love, it's the love of God Mm. that allows you to sustain covenant. I'm telling you, that is the hardest thing to do. It doesn't sound easy. It's not easy at all. Um, But I'm I'm reminded there's there's a book in the Bible, Hosea, where God literally tells this prophet to marry a prostitute. Mm. You okay. got to read this. And so all through this book, it's about his wife, who is a prostitute, okay. who constantly goes back and forth. There's seasons where she's married, and then there's seasons where she's out doing her thing. Okay. And it's, it's really, she comes back home and goes I've not out. read that. Okay. And God told this prophet to marry this prostitute mm. as a sign of how he loves us. And mm. he he's using this prophet's marriage as an example, as an example to people to see, see Hosea. I can see. And it. every time his wife comes in and out, he's saying, "That's how y'all do me." Wow. But Hosea, you do not. He tells him, "You do not mm. have the luxury of divorcing her." Mm. And so all through the chapter, she's doing her thing, and she's coming home, and he's being a husband. Wow. And then, but this is what's the best part of this whole story. At the end of the chapter, mm. the way the chapter ends is she finally comes to herself. Okay. 
and it and it paints this picture of them under a tree with their family mm. and they are I mean literally the Bible illustrates them just having a moment where she has devoted herself completely to him and it's almost like a movie that you know the credits go up and they Listen, are in love. I'm gonna read that one. Yeah, I, because I was not familiar with that story. Oh yeah, Book of wow. Hosea. Yep. Okay. And so, so when you ask me my position mm-hmm. on are there really options, mm-hmm. um, I would have to. I'm challenged with that. Okay. My personal conviction, because I can't impose this on anybody. Right. My personal conviction is no. Okay. But it takes two to be in a in a relationship. It, it takes does. two to be in a covenant. It does. So if someone chooses. To move on. Mm-hmm. Someone shoot, and no one's saying to be in a situation where you are getting harmed and hurt right, right. physically, emotionally. At some point, you can't just stay there. I know I'm rambling, y'all. So oh, no, you're it. fine. You just can't stay in something like that. That's that's your health. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's your yeah. mental health. That's your physical health. I understand that. Um, but I know that there are times where God will say, I know this breaks the rules, mm-hmm. but I am not releasing you to get out of your marriage. Mm-hmm. And then in that sense you have to obey god so remarriage yes remarriage remarriage i believe um you know of course you get a divorce legitimately that don't mean love is over for you you only got one shot for it no i believe you can remarry now the bible says Mm -hmm. that the only time you can remarry is if um the woman commits adultery because you know that was the cultural norm then we and talked if, about those cultural norms in the Bible the last time, yes, remember? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So, and so then if she remarried, um, then she would be considered, you know, having an adultery. Mm. Um, but um, this day and age where we are right now, I think remarriage is necess- not necessary, is allowed because when you get a divorce... You know, and it's clean, you know, and y'all have moved apart. You have, you know, you get another chance at love and you should be able to take advantage of that. There it is, folks. Everything about divorce, the Bible, the church, remarriage is all there. (laughs) All there for you. Another taboo in the church. I'm not sure if people, um, I don't know. I just think there's a question that's always in the back of people's minds. Is sex before marriage? Are we forgiven? Does God forgive us when we when we make these type Absolutely. of decisions? Okay. There's not a Is there anything that God forgive. doesn't forgive us no, for? No, okay. No. Nope. As far nope, there's no sin. Actually, I mean, you know, and the scriptures does talk about these abominations. There's yes. several things mm-hmm. that, you know, God just can't stand from you, but um we serve, we serve a gracious, merciful God, mm-hmm. and there is nothing you can do. His blood is enough. He wouldn't have sent. He didn't send his son to die on the cross just for some sins. Exactly but for, for all, all sins. sins. Yeah. So um, I would say that there is nothing you can do that would cause God not to forgive you. That's good to know. Yeah. Because um, we are all in need of God's forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. Um, soul ties. Uh, do you believe in soul ties? And if so, what is the best way to rectify one? I do believe in soul ties. Okay. Um, you know, it's hard. That's when you get into a relationship, any relationship you get into, if it's going to be meaningful, you're going to connect on a deep level. Okay. And because of our imperfections, sometimes those same relationships that we connect so deeply with somebody, mm-hmm. it breaks. And it does. because of how strong the connection was, just like something that has been welded together, you try to break it apart. 
and a piece of you breaks apart with it and that's where the soul ties is and so you do have a piece of that relationship still on you mm-hmm. um and it takes it takes time it takes we talked about therapy it takes therapy that's inner work like that's we call it soul ties so you ain't gonna you ain't gonna fix that with just you know um just normal remedies that's like internal work right you know there's no lotion there's no pill mm-hmm. for that you, you got to do some deep work right. process through that thing mm-hmm. to get a separation from that that tie and sometimes it's not even it's it's something that you probably gonna have to deal with there's a lot of people that are still dealing with mm-hmm. um relationships that they have before mm-hmm. That they're dealing with now, um, but you just have to learn how to deal with it. You know, you still gonna see your ex, and you gotta learn how to now manage the emotions, right? Because some some of that stuff doesn't go away. You just it learn new behaviors not. of how to manage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of us are carrying around um, mental scars, emotional scars. Yeah. Some of us have physical scars from right. our previous relationships. Exactly. So it's definitely not something that is gonna go away overnight. Yep. Yeah, so I believe in soul ties. Uh, We never talked about sex before marriage, but uh, you know that that piece right there is, (laughs) you know, when we talked about it when we were kids, of Mm -hmm. course that made sense. Right, we grown. We grown. I hear that a lot. I'm grown. I'm grown. You mean real grown? Waiting on my now. The standard is yes. Right, you're supposed to. You're supposed to wait until Mm -hmm. you are married. Reality is many people don't hold out. Right. You know, so it does happen. Do you think that that will negatively affect the marriage if you do not wait? I think it can add some complications. Okay. Yeah, I I really do. Um, You know, I... But I don't even know if not having sex before marriage, you 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 gonna bring some complications into your relationship because we're complicated, yeah, right? We complicated, we're complicated. Yeah. So I believe that's one less mm. um, complication that you bring into the marriage. Okay. But um, you know, it doesn't mean that just because you didn't have sex before marriage that you're gonna have a perfect relationship. Absolutely that, not. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Marriage is work. Right. Okay. That's right. what we need to be up here talking about. Right. Marriage is right. work. And you know what? I gotta address this too because a lot of people. Say I want to test it before you know I I, I, <laughs> I commit to it you know so they feel like it's a benefit mm. to have it I, now I gotta come to you at my experience I waited I didn't have sex until I got married okay now that doesn't mean now I'm gonna make it clear I'll be real this your story here. this so is your story that don't mean as a young man that I you know didn't fool around right I just didn't have I didn't go. I didn't cross that line um, until I got married. Mm-hmm. But um, you did it the right way. I did it. Did it. I did it without having sex before marriage. <laughs> okay, did it the right you keep way. saying the right way. I don't I know. I mean, if you did it the. That was the right. That the was biblical a way. standard. Okay. I suppose. Yeah, but there was so much other. Yeah. Okay, but I'm not perfect. Okay, got you. Anyway, I know you can't edit that. I said it. I'm so not even going to try. It's okay. But uh, what was I saying? Now I'm all, okay. So so I waited. I waited till I got married, and okay. um, to me, I went into the relationship, and my wife did too. We went into the relationship new, and we learned each other. Each other, absolutely. And we didn't have anyone else to compare <laughs> it to. I didn't have to look at her and think about. I mean, I'm just saying that was just my experience. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the kind of guy I needed that. Because that would have messed with my mind. Now, I probably would have had to go therapy if that did not happen the way it did. But I needed that. And so that was one less complication, one less complication. that we brought into our relationship. Yeah. That's amazing. Let's see. The next topic. 
Are you done with that I'm topic? Done, yes. Okay. I know the I'm next, rambling. you're not ready. I feel like I'm rambling this one. Y'all not gonna ask me back now. <laughs> this is over. <laughs> <laughs> the next topic is uh-huh. alcohol. Okay, okay, so I personally do not consume alcohol. It's just a personal choice. I have not consumed an alcoholic beverage since 2010. Not champagne, not wine, not a wine cooler. I wish y'all could see how I'm looking at her right now. It's the truth. People know. I no alcohol since 2010. Okay. I'm not going to swear, but like, if I could put my hand on this wooden table, I'm putting my hand on this table that that's the truth. Um, And it's just a personal choice because I used to go out and I used to, you know, party and drink and stuff. But I come from a family of like alcoholics. And so growing up, I saw the residual of what alcohol does to a person. Mm-hmm. And as I started getting older, I was like, I don't I don't even want to feel this way. I don't want to behave this way. I don't want to be out here looking this way. So I made a personal choice. But what does the Bible say about um, Christians and the consumption of alcohol? Are we allowed to consume alcohol? Mm, allowed? Yes. Um, we should not be out here drunk. Right. Mm-hmm. It says, be not drunk with wine, mm-hmm. wherein it says, be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's, That's what the right. scripture says. But, yeah, it's, you're allowed, you know, socially drink. You got to be responsible now. They call it spirits because, you know, it can it, it, it brings something out of you. You know, some people get drunk and, and act a certain way. It they lowers, turn a whole, a whole different, different person, person right? Yeah. Lowers your inhibition. You wake up and you you next to somebody <laughs> that you're like, yo, and you want to blame it on the alcohol right there's a whole song about people exactly. blaming things on the alcohol okay <laughs> so that that's the i think that's the biggest concern when it comes to alcohol mm-hmm. like does it lower your defenses is it going to set you up to mm. put you in a, a worse place some alcohol is not necessarily the problem it's, it's the result of what happens when you're under you the influence yes. of alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I said it's a personal right. choice for me. Right. You know, it's not something that right. everyone needs to do. Right. But for me, it was a personal choice. And right. I don't miss it at all. Like, right. I'm around people who drink often. And right. I, I have no desire, I guess, because it's right. been so long. And the other piece is um, socially. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> socially, um, I think... I think Especially church folk have a stigma about alcohol, and mm-hmm. even our society. I think our society gives a little leniency now. If a, a preacher, a pastor, or somebody prominent in church mm-hmm. has alcohol, the church people start looking negatively about at that person. Mm-hmm. And 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 Paul says, if it causes your brother to sin or cause mm-hmm. him to fall, then don't do it. And so sometimes I'm bound by how what I'm doing is affecting somebody else. Right. And I so I have to make the sacrifice so that someone else doesn't get tempted to slip back into something that, that that's a struggle for them. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So he doesn't believe me, y'all, but it's the truth. I have not consumed alcohol since <laughs> 2010. Um we're going to talk about old school church versus the modern church when it comes to dress and appearance. Because like I said, Southern Baptist upbringing, mm-hmm. you had to wear your Sunday's best to church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like my grandmother would press my hair Saturday night. Yeah. I had to put on my dress and my ribbons and my bows on, and my church socks and, and the patent leather shoes. Barrettes. Like barrettes Come and ribbons, here. everything. Okay. Yeah. Hair get pressed and everything. <laughs> But now I see that the appearance in church is changing. However, there are some churches um, 
and we're not going to call those type of churches out, but there are some churches who still stick to a very um, traditional appearance, and they feel that it's disrespectful if you dress down for church. What is the difference between the appearance in the old church versus the appearance in the modern church? Um, we're a little liberal now. We dress down, dress a little more casual now, and um, a little more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we're starting to wear hats in church now. That was unheard of before. Listen, um, <clears throat> and I, jeans, I, and jeans, and 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 whole whole jeans and mm-hmm. tight tight jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see it so much because that was one of the things we. It was a distraction in church, you know, right. and but I think. We see it so much, even in even in the workplace. There used to be a dress code there, but that's becoming more relaxed now. And it you know, is. it just used to be on Friday where you can do, do dress down, but now people have. So it, I think it's becoming so normal in our society that the church now says, "Oh, it's not much of a big deal." Mm-hmm. Um, and and even here, I love our church because whether you want to come traditional or you mm-hmm. want to come contemporary, you don't stand out. You don't you stick sure out don't. a sore thumb. It, and that's literally what I do. One Sunday, I yeah. may be dressed up. The right. next Sunday, I may have on jeans. Right, right. And nobody's looking at <laughs> and you. And no like, one cares. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember like people would say, oh, I can't go to church. I don't have anything to wear. Right. Right. You that that excuse is non existent in most right. churches. Right. Um, you know, this day and time. Right. I just I just, you know, anywhere you gotta be decent. Just of look course. decent. And even more so in, in God's house. Like, you know, you you're not coming to, to church looking like you're going to the club. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's just a order, it's, it's reverence. You know, you won't go to the to court. And that's that's the that's the conversation I had with somebody. Like, we will stand for a judge, mm-hmm. we will put on a suit and a tie mm-hmm. for a judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we come to church we complain because hey, I, I why why I can't just come at, and you can come as you are. Right. Right. But when you realize who you're coming for and mm. you realize who God is, your reverence for him will change your dress code. Mm. Your dress code will start to match. Okay. And I just, you know, if I'm going to stand for a judge and I got to put on a tie for a judge, how much more will I do for the man who wakes me up in the morning? Come who, on now. You know, who's king of kings, lord of lords. You know, let me do it that. <laughs> Lily in the Vietnam. But uh, if I'm going to do that, yeah, I'm going to give him respect too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Appearance in the church. Old yeah. school versus modern, modern church. church. Yes. All right. So this one is kind of heavy because I know I've struggled with a level of forgiveness in my life before. Forgiveness. Okay. We have to forgive. I know that. I think we all know that forgiveness is a must. <sighs> Can you tell us why we must forgive? Oh, you know why. They tell Just tell the people. <laughs> That's why you mm. shaking your head right Tell there. the people. I'm, no, I'm not an authority on this. I'm telling y'all what I've heard and I've adopted. I, I agree with this, is that it's more for you. you know, it is. When you forgive, that's your healing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your release. Um, really, when you hold an art, you keeping yourself <laughs> locked up. I right. mean, you really are. Yeah. Thinking that you're getting back at somebody else, thinking that you're holding something on somebody else. They not even some nine out of times out of ten they not even thinking about you. It's like drinking poison but expecting the other person to, to die. die. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's hard though. Like if we're gonna be honest, sometimes forgiveness is, is really hard, especially when you forgive someone who's like not sorry or who's never apologized never for apologized. what they've done. Yeah. That can be one of the most challenging yeah. um, things to forgive because right. I've been there. Because yeah. I can, I'm a 
Listen, I know we might not do the whole Zodiac thing, but when I tell you I really fit the T of a cancer, mm-hmm. I can hold a grudge, okay? <laughs> so, and I'm working on it. As I'm getting older, it's getting better. But I found myself holding a grudge against someone because they hurt me deeply and they were just going on about their life. And I was right. like, well, I'm the one that's right. over here right. irritated and upset and mad and they out here living their best life. Mm. So forgiveness, we have to forgive. What does the Bible tell us about forgiveness? The, the, like, disciples asked, the disciples asked Jesus, how much should I, how how many times should I forgive what my is brother? it, like 70 times 70? 70 times 7. Mm. Which is, 7 is the number of completion. So mm-hmm. God wasn't just giving them a number, a finite number. He was telling them infinitely. Mm. He's supposed to forgive every time. Wow. In every way. Now, here's here's what forgiveness is. All okay. right. Tell us, what is it? So when you you forgive someone... It is not necessarily letting them off the hook. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem we have. We think, okay, when someone commits an infraction upon us or on us, an offense or something, they do something bad to us, that forgiveness means, okay, I'm going to just act like you didn't do anything and we just go back to what we, you know, what we were before. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry about it. No, that's not necessarily forgiveness. Because if you do that, you're not being wise. You have to what that person has done when they committed that offense against you has shown you Mm -hmm. that they have the propensity to Mm. hurt you, Mm. to disrespect you, to cross that line. Nobody is saying that that wasn't a real offense. Right. What we're saying is at this point forward, Mm -hmm. you have to readjust the relationship. Now, okay, I ain't holding that offense against you, Mm -hmm. but you ain't going to get me like that again. Again. Okay. So. I have to let you know that I can still release you, Mm -hmm. but we might not talk the same way as much as we used to. Mm -hmm. There are some new rules to our relationship. We have some boundaries. Boundaries. And I always, I equated, we did a series one time about forgiveness, and I equated it to... um, when When we hold unforgiveness, we are locking people up. Mm. In, in, in cages. Okay. Okay. We're locking people up. <clears throat> and forgiveness means I release you. Okay. Okay. But when you come out, just like you get locked up, they don't just totally release you right. into the general public. They put that little bracelet on you and yeah. you got a probation officer, mm-hmm. which is a period where they say, okay, we're going to monitor you. We, we're going to restrict your freedom mm. until you can prove to us that you can deserve that freedom again. That's good. And that's what we need to do with people. Okay, that's you good. hurt me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to keep you locked up, but trust, you got. I'm going to restrict your access to mm. me. I gotta restrict. I gotta monitor you, monitor, monitor you, so that you don't, um, you don't inflict that on me again. So that brings me to the next part of forgiveness: reconciliation. Is yeah. it a must? Do we have to absolutely we reconcile with those yeah. that we have forgiven? We do. We, we do. do. The scripture says, "Just as God has given us a ministry of reconciliation, we should reconcile the world okay. back to Him." Mm. Or, yeah, just yeah. God has given us the the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile others back to him. So we are called to reconcile. But once again, don't just jump into reconnecting like y'all used y'all did before the infraction. Reconciliation is a process. It's a process, yeah. It's a process and and sometimes reconciliation is not doing getting back what you had before. Mm-hmm. It's maintaining another level of relating mm-hmm. that works mm-hmm. where no one gets hurt again. 
that's it right there. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's it recon- right yeah, there. That's, yeah. that's reconciliation. Hey, I see who you are. Mm-hmm. So now we not besties. Right. I don't mean I didn't. I'm not reconciling, but I'm. I'm. You know, reconciling is a a a budgeting term. It's a it's a numbers term when you have to reconcile mm-hmm. like um, your your budget and mm-hmm. reconcile the expenses with your with your income. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm reestablishing a balance here. Okay. I'm reestablishing how we can relate from this point. I'm reconciling how your attitude now fits into my life, mm. where I can now have a a healthy life. With your with you attitude in it. In it. Right, yeah. with you in it. <laughs> yes. Yep. Wow. So I got to reconcile that. Yep. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, the reality of hell. Let's talk about it. Hell, hell, hell. I think we talk about heaven a lot, but I don't think, you know, we talk about hell as much. Yeah. It's hell. You know, there, there's a lot of thought about that, whether it's a real place, if God sent his son Jesus down the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, and all, and and he saved the world. And what's the what's the what's the use or what's the purpose of a hell? Okay. Um, I'm gonna tell you what I was taught. There's a hell. The Bible speaks of it. There'll mm-hmm. be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what the scripture says. That's what it says. Um, it's there. There's some. There's a place. There's a realm where the enemy, Satan, he resides, where he has dominion or his no dom- domain, and it's called hell. Now I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, its relationship to people and are we going? You know, is that I don't never I I don't believe hell was made for us. Okay. I don't believe hell was was intended to send God's people there. Okay. Or his his children there. Uh, ultimately, we getting back to our discussion. I think at the end of this life, God is going to judge us and and. He's going to have, we're going to be surprised who makes it into heaven and who doesn't make it into hell. I wouldn't be surprised if nobody go to hell. I mean, I know that goes against a whole lot of people's theology, mm-hmm. but I just, I see us serving a God that's full of love. Um, I, but so, but I don't know. Those are things that I'm still wrestling with right now. I do know that I'm gonna live my life. So in case I'm wrong, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't want to have that reality. Exactly. You <laughs> where I look up and say, "Dad, I got that wrong." Oh, I'm, I got it wrong. I'd, I'd rather err on caution. Yes. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna live my life like there is a hell for me. Absolutely. And uh, do what God is expecting me to do, so I don't have to go. Because we don't want those problems. We don't. Like, we, <laughs> we don't, don't, want, those we don't want those problems. Yep. So. Yep. All right. So maybe in the future, in the near future, we can kind of go in a little deeper about heaven and hell, kind of give the people a little yeah. bit of context about that. But for the sake of time tonight, we're going to do the So I Saw a Meme segment. And what we're going to do with this segment is we're going to have Pastor give us a little sermonette. Um, because y'all just have to hear this man speak. Okay. Oh my goodness. So I saw a meme and you know, when I see these things, they jump out at me. So the meme for this week is just because someone carries it well, doesn't mean it's not heavy. So many people are carrying so many things and and with the naked eye, we probably look like we're okay. Like we're not carrying anything. Can Mm -hmm. you give the people five, ten, six minute, however long you feel it needs to be, little sermonettes to get them through because we're carrying a lot of heavy things right now. I am, um, this is crazy. I I, um, <laughs> I go to the woman at the well. 
Okay. I know that sounds a little weird, but follow me. As soon as you said this, and this is just coming to my spirit. So here's a woman at the well who's a Samaritan. Okay. And we know from her dialogue with Jesus that she has a little shaky mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. She She's had several husbands, and the one that she's living with is not hers. It's not her husband. Um, and she's at this well, and she has a pot, of course, that she's carrying that she has to draw water from. Okay. Nobody touches this woman, impacts her, has an encounter with her like Jesus does. Mm -hmm. So imagine, here's a woman that's going through so much in her life, you know, with with choices, Mm -hmm. finding the right man. I mean, that alone we can pull from the story. She's a Samaritan, so Samaritans were not considered... um, valuable when it came to Jews they were considered I hate to use this term but like scum like mm. they weren't um they they weren't they weren't honored they weren't respected okay. Samaritans okay and so here's a woman that's going through that she's not wearing this this lifestyle these struggles but she is carrying it so I want to even her coming to the well, that's what she's coming to the well with. Okay. Being a minority, mm. having people look at her less than what she's worth. Okay. Dealing with a life where she's trying to make relationships happen. Maybe she has insecurities and she wants men to love her. She just keeps picking the wrong man. Okay. She comes to the well with this. Okay. And the only person that really engages her is someone who can see that what you're carrying mm. may be heavier mm. than what other people may think. Mm. How many people have passed this woman by, <sighs> right, yeah. that did not minister to her or mm-hmm. encourage her? Mm-hmm. And she comes to the well, and Jesus sees that this woman is carrying something heavy. Right. Her life is heavier than what she can handle. And so he engages her with this conversation. And... I say, I, if I'm going to a first point, I think that Go will be ahead. the be, be the first point is that you really don't know what people around you are carrying. That is so true. That you are passing people every day whose backgrounds and whose lifestyles and their life choices have put them in a place where they are heavy, heavy hearted, a lot on their minds. And you say good morning to them every day and mm-hmm. they say good morning. You say, how you doing? They say fine. Mm-hmm. And they are heavy. Yeah. They are heavy. And, and it takes someone, now I'm not saying everybody's your assi- assignment, but it takes us, especially the church, to really ask God, God, how many he- people are carrying things around me that I'm ignoring or am I missing? Mm-hmm. And Lord, make me more aware. Okay. Because if this world could grab hold of us getting outside of ourselves sometimes mm. and just being able to gauge can I help you carry this? Yes. Can can I can I help lighten this load for you? Mm. You know, um, you tell me you're fine, but are you really? Are you can you really? just pause exactly. and just do an investigation? And so Jesus takes his time. He meets her at the well mm-hmm. and starts engaging her. He says, give me a drink of water. And she, she says, well, you don't have anything to put the water in. Now, first of all, you got to understand, Jesus is a Jew, and he asked this Samaritan for water already. He has communicated to this woman that I don't care what other people are saying about you. Mm -hmm. I value you enough to engage you in conversation. They wouldn't even converse with them. They wouldn't even talk to her. Right. And he's saying, you know what, let me take some time out for me to get off my high horse. And Jesus didn't have a high horse, but he could have claimed that. I mean, he's the son of God. He is. Right. Right. But he stops and says, let me Mm. 
talk to you. Let me find out where you are. Let me let me initiate some type of encounter with you so that ultimately we know God doesn't make a mistake. He always has the end in mind mm-hmm. at the beginning. So mm-hmm. it was more than just him asking for a drink of water. Right. He wanted to minister to this woman. He wanted to change her life mm. because he saw what she was carrying. Mm-hmm. She says, you don't have a drink. You don't have anything to put this water in. Mm-hmm. And why are you talking to me? She brings it up, you know, and, and he, he he starts to go and engage and he goes religious with her and tells us, you know, uh, talks about worship. And, and she says that my people worship here on the mountain. And I don't want to go into all those details, but this dialogue now opens up where she finally goes in. And God now, Jesus connects with her in such a way where he could now deal with her issue. Now, that's another nugget right there. Okay. Because a lot of times we like to deal with what people are carrying and help them with what they're carrying mm-hmm. without establishing some type of relationship with them first. Mm. Where they can trust us to have that conversation exactly. with them. Yeah. Jesus knows that I'm not going to just start dealing with this lady's issues. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to her in a way where she knows that I am not just here being manipulative, where she can trust that we can deal with some serious things because I've established an environment, a, a, a discussion where um, it is is welcoming that I can go there with her. And so, if, and I guess if I want to sum this whole thing up, it's... How can we help others carry what they're carrying? Mm. Because I think God gives all of us life. I can't say God. Life gives all of us something to carry. Absolutely. And it's our responsibility to not ignore what people are carrying around us. And here's what's interesting about um, this story. Jesus ministers to her and what he offers her is himself. Mm. And just by letting her know what he can provide for her mm-hmm. and and what what forgiveness he can give her, the love he can give her. She runs back into the city and says, come see a man. She's like excited. Right. She's Her countenance has changed. You yeah. can tell her weight has been lifted mm. just through knowing that there is a man who has offered me something that I've never gotten from anybody else. And that's for everyone who's carrying a weight this is what I submit to you. There's a man named Jesus who says, cast your cares on me. Yes. For I care for you. You don't have to carry that weight alone. He has muscle to help carry with every load you're holding. And this can go full circle into this moment of forgiveness. And I was going to say this earlier because sometimes we're carrying unforgiveness and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's heavy because you're carrying it. You took the offense personal. Mm. You took the words personal. And God says, don't take it personal. Give it to me. Mm. G- give it, just, just give it to me. Make it as if they were talking to me. I'll take that from you. You can be healed from it. I'll deal. And this is how you know you've given it to God. God says, I'll deal with them for you. Mm. That's that's the exchange right there. That's how you give Ooh. that weight to God. When someone crosses the line with you, you say, you know what? You go to your prayer closet and say, God, I need you to deal with this. Right, right. I need you to handle that, God. Mm-hmm. I'm putting this on you. And you might not see what God's going to do to deal with them on that infraction, but please know God loves us too much for us not to be vindicated. Mm. Now, God ain't petty. 
But he is, there's the word where he says that he, he got out, there's this, a word called retribution that God says, I will repay um, back those, like he told Abraham, those that bless you, I will bless, and those that curse you, I will curse. He right. got your back. Right. Just let him do it. He'll defend you. And so for everyone that's on, if you don't mind me praying, everyone yes. that's, that's heard this word and maybe it's registered with you because you're in a season where you've carried, you're carrying some things now. You're holding on to some things and um, things that happened to you when you were a child. I mean, you've been holding this thing for a minute. We had prayer service yesterday and this came up in our prayer service where there's a call for God's people to rise, but you can't rise and you cannot move because you got dead weight you're carrying. Mm. And so tonight, if you would, or however you're listening to this podcast, if you would join with me, I offer you a man who's saying, I will carry the weight for you. <laughs> I, I will cut the cords that's connecting you to some dead weight that you've been holding on to and liberate you. Yes. And so let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you today. Whatever time this is being listened to, thank you right now that you are offering us an invitation that we can give our weights to you transfer all of the things that we've been carrying that we don't have to carry unnecessary weight that we've been carrying god we give it to you so that you can lighten our load so that we're no longer preoccupied with petty people we're no longer you know, missing out on our purpose because of drama that's brewed in our departments at work god we're not no longer going to give attention to things that are going to weigh us down, causing us not to sleep at night. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, you remove these burdens, that we will give them to you. We would give to you people who committed infractions and offenses that said stuff to us that still have not apologized to us. Lord, we give them to you knowing that you can handle it better than us anyway. Yes. And so everyone under the sound of my voice, I thank you right now that they're liberated, and it's by faith we believe it. I thank you now that their doors are open and they're released to live their life. I speak life to everyone that's speaking, to, that's listening to me right now. Walk in the liberty now that you're no longer bound by what you feel people owe you. Step into your truth, walk into your victory, and accomplish what God has called you to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Love you, mean it, see you next time.